0: Hello, is this Jamie? Yeah, hey Josh. Hey, can you wait till I pull in? I'm trying to pull off the road here. <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, is this now work? Did you want to
0: talk a little later? I am pulled over, and I'm good, super good. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry for being so rude right now. I'm Josh Long. I'm a producer at Grotto, and as you know, Grotto did like a video story on you like two years ago. Yeah, it's funny, I I don't know
2: Time doesn't make sense anymore to me I don't even remember when that
0: was (laughs) I I was
2: like, was that four years ago? Two years?
1: I can't even remember
0: Our senior producer, Javi He thinks air guitar is like The best grotto story Like, it's his favorite story we've done Out of the couple hundred mini-docs we've done (laughs) And there's another story About a Trappist monk From Kentucky He actually lives in a monastery So we're comparing and contrasting these two stories, right? We have you and your friends in Boston going crazy on the air guitar in front of people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then we have these monks who are largely silent in the middle of the country. Um, Javi felt so strongly about the connection between these two stories that him and our other hosts, Sarah Toms, and myself, we took the five-and-a-half-hour trip from south bend to trappist kentucky with a laptop to show this particular monk your video <laughs> wow what were, what were the what was the reaction or what were, i'm interested in what he had to say <laughs> <laughs> well uh it all started with
3: Welcome to Good and Decent, a podcast by Grotto Network. Stories of ordinary people living in extraordinary ways. Episode 6, Air Guitars and a Useless Monk.
4: Okay, how are we doing today?
0: Sarah, it's getting really close to the season finale, and we haven't recorded anything for it yet.
4: I know, I actually sort of feel like this is us being the most procrastinating. I just made up that word. Yeah, so Javi pitched us this idea. He's like, let's do these two stories in conversation.
0: Air guitar. And then there is a monk that calls himself the useless monk. And for some reason, those juxtaposing images create some sort of seamless story in Javi's yes.
4: mind. Cl- a clear arc for the season finale of a podcast, obviously. Should we, should we call him up, get him to explain it?
0: What do you think, Sarah? Do you think do you think he has something here? Do you, do you still need convinced? Because I I am out in left field.
4: I've heard it said that people don't want others in their lives to spend time with them. They want them to waste time on them. Doesn't translate into dollar signs or investment in your time.
0: Do you want to try to... Call senior producer hobby
4: Let's call him up. Let's call him okay. up. One sec. Let me get this. Let me get this dude up on speakerphone. Mm. It's, it's not not looking it's hopeful. Kind of a
0: first or second ring pickup, mm. sort of dude. Hello, this is Javi
3: mm-hmm. Zureta. Sorry, Mr. call. Please leave a message.
4: No, 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 no. We're not.
0: Sarah, why don't we just show the air guitar? video essay. Yeah. Do you want to just toss to that?
4: Yeah. We need to just, let's put it out there for the people.
0: Hit the tape.
3: We find ourselves in the Boston subway system. Tiled walls, drab lighting, nothing too inspiring to look at. But leaping onto the platform, decked out in gold lame, white denim, and black muscle shirts, Three men pretending to play the guitar. They're all grown men, but they're rocking out with all the fury and fire of a five-year-old pretending to be Eddie Van Halen. It's awesome. Me, Jamie, champion air guitarist.
2: Air guitar is exactly what you think it is. (laughs) Pretending to play an instrument that is not there.
3: It's the 2013 National Air Guitar Finals, and Jamie is on stage in tacky pants and a nice button-up. The opening theme of Full House starts to play. He does a massive headbang, his wig flies off his head. It's the 2016 U.S. Air Guitar Finals now, and Jamie is back on stage as Link from the Zelda video games. Tongue spitting in and out, the whole crowd is going wild.
2: I like to say that it's like you graduated from your parents' basement, and now we're playing on stage in front of a live audience. People always ask, so, What are they looking for? How how do you even win? We look for three things. The first is technical merit. You don't have to know the notes you're playing, but at least make it look like it matches the music. Uh, The second is stage presence. And the third is airness. And that's when it becomes less about air guitar and becomes more of an art form in and of itself. Or as we like to say, you know it when you see it. (laughs) I think Vlad DM Whaler said it best, and he said, if you get mad that you lost at Air Guitar, that's when you really lose.
3: So when producer Ariasuar first pitched the story to me, I asked her how she'd bring it to life. And to my complete surprise and glee, she took Jamie and his two buddies onto the Boston subway at rush hour, right after a Penguins game, and had them rock out for everyone on that train. So imagine a crowded car, hockey fans and commuters crammed together, and a man in dirty white jeans so tight they might as well be painted on is on his knees, and then on his back, wailing on an air guitar, all while the stereo plays hair metal from the 80s. As you can imagine, some people stare, some people look away, but a lot are laughing. Some are rocking out themselves. I mean, why not? (laughs) Jamie introduces us to one of his air guitaring friends. He's got big sunglasses, a Hawaiian shirt over his slim frame, and a white captain's hat on his head. So some
2: of the air guitar personas that exist out there, let's see, they typically have some type of Uh, play on words with air.
5: I am Captain Airhab. I got the name because I wanted one of the pun names, and I had a captain's hat, and I wanted an excuse to wear it.
2: As silly as it is, there's actually a big world peace movement behind it.
5: So basically the whole philosophy behind air guitar is if you're holding an air guitar, you can't be holding a gun.
3: Captain Airhab opens his Hawaiian shirt to reveal a tea that says, Make air, not war. What a guy. An audio podcast really doesn't do service to the story from Aria Soir. Watching these three friends rock out so hard, so ridiculously, so joyfully on the trains of Boston is guaranteed to put a smile on your face. Be sure to check it out on our Grotto Network YouTube channel. These guys are fully committed. Even if others think they should be committed. But they are rocking out for the sake of rocking out, and it's bringing them so much joy. It's totally rad.
2: So it's definitely this silly thing that brings a lot of wonderful, loving people together and, and that's how I look at life, I mean, why do you want to take life so seriously all the time? I don't, so. <laughs>
4: Javi, where in the world are we?
3: Yeah, so we are on a we are on a highway from Mexico, Indiana, nearing Peru, Indiana, on our way to Kentucky. Oh.
4: And we're in a we're in a physical space together. We are in a car together with our producer Josh Long. Hi Josh.
3: Are we allowed to talk about that? No, don't talk about Josh. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Going on a road trip.
3: Going on a road trip.
4: This is the first time the three of us have been in yeah. a space together for work. I feel like we're doing pretty well. It's been pretty seamless. Yeah, Conversations working. flowing.
3: We're only an hour and a half into the drive. We've got four hours more to go.
4: So talk to me about air guitarists and why you like them.
3: You mean why do I like the greatest video that Grotto Network has ever put forward about some rad air guitarists in the Boston area? <laughs> with the Captain Airhab? And also, they're not afraid of embracing that fully. They're not afraid of looking foolish. They're not afraid of spending time without a clear goal. And at Grotto, if we can pull the curtains back a little bit, you know, part of our mission is to help young people um, find a greater connection with their spiritual life, with their religious life, and ultimately, you know, find their way back to the church that, for many of us who work at Grotto, has brought so much fulfillment and joy and, and purpose. Um, and we're passing some like road strip barriers right now, so I apologize for those little. There's one. One more. Yep. Yep. Okay. In general, in in life, we're we're so concerned with our time having purpose, and I think for for any of us who contemplate what comes next what's after this life is if there is something more how (laughs) what what does my you know the fact that I advanced in my career from this position to that position or you know I was able to you know build this muscle and that muscle I mean all those things that we get so hell bent on succeeding and achieving it does any of it matter either in the face of no afterlife or in the face of an afterlife so that's really big from all these air yeah, guitars. Things are
4: things are getting deep on US thirty one south <laughs> at ten thirty on a Wednesday.
3: I know, right? And there's some dark clouds looming ahead, very ominously. So yeah,
4: the skies are about to open up, and we're just talking about talking about death, talking about the meaning of life. Oh,
3: that's a lot, I know. But for me, I I just saw these guys doing something that I just connected with, and then
4: you some- saw. You saw another video.
3: And then I saw this other story come to us from Katie Rudder, another fabulous uh, producer for us, about a monk. You know, all that said, I think there's a real similarity in in the spirit between these two folks and and how they're finding joy in life. But for Brother Paul, there's a deeper meaning there. And that uselessness in this life speaks to a focus for him um, on the next life and on the spiritual journey that he's undertaken as a monk um, to find a greater meaning.
4: So we're heading down to meet him.
3: We're going to go talk to the guy. We're going to talk to him. Hopefully it's it's a worthwhile trip, or maybe it won't be, and that'll be the lesson.
4: <laughs> maybe it will be a useless trip, and we will have to go back to our bosses and say,
0: yeah. Well... I'm worried about this audio
3: being useless with the rain and bumps.
4: <laughs> Um, so we need to, we need to probably toss to our brother Paul.
3: It's one of my favorite stories. So enjoy the radical, uh, tubular, awesome, uh, brother Paul.
4: And we will see you in Kentucky. Here we go.
5: Sometimes I feel like I'm stuck in a rat race. Like I have to run at a breakneck speed to be worthy of my place on earth. I think that's why I drove deep into Kentucky, over the gently rolling hills, past a few lonely farms. I wanted to meet Brother Paul.
6: I think people feel they have to be productive because they get self-esteem from being able to show something, to show that they're worth something. So people are looking for their sense of worth in doing something and in producing something or making an impression on others. But I shouldn't have to depend on others for my self-worth. I mean, I, of course, I get some of that. But at the core, my value, my sense of worth comes from knowing that I am loved by God. I had to write a poem to explain that. This is called Mad Monk's Life Ambition." Sorry, monk, that I am, I never amounted to nothing. Did someone lay a jinx on me and say, you'll never amount to nothing? How sad, since I took nothing as the goal of my monastic life.
5: Brother Paul wrote a book called In Praise of the Useless Life. I got to talk to him behind the literal bars of the cloister, through a locked gate beneath big emblazoned words that read, god alone brother paul was sitting under an ancient ginkgo tree as the birds sang he would name them and i don't just mean the type but down to the individual
6: we're focused on one thing god alone as you might say we're not serving any practical purpose well we we produce fudge and we produce fruitcakes But so what, you know, there's no external justification for our life. So, you know, by all appearances, we're useless.
5: About 40 monks live this life, old and young, meeting in their narrow, echo-filled chapel to pray together eight times a day. They do have some small tasks, like making baked goods to support the abbey. Brother Paul writes and takes photographs. His images are moving. One shows several white robes hung side by side against a white wall. Another is of his own shadow, cast next to a rusty downspout.
6: Sometimes a photograph will just surprise you. And I I was looking out at the rising sun, and I turned around and I saw my shadow on the wall. And then the shadow turns this way and the pipe grows that way. I thought that was kind of curious.
5: (laughs) After the video wrapped up, a team member at Grotto asked me if Brother Paul sells his photographs. I didn't know, so I sent him an email to ask him. Here's the response I got. I do sell photographs, but I have no marketing. It all takes place face to face. Not a way to run a business. A good way to avoid being a success.
6: Is there a reason for the arts? You know, is there a reason to dance? Really, the the purpose of singing is to sing. The purpose of to play is to play. So you live for the sake of life. The daily routine of the monastery eventually levels you to the plateau of your ordinariness. Ambition and striving fade into the background. And life lived in God is sufficient.
5: Inside the Life of a Monk is a Grotto story. It was produced by me, Katie Rudder. I'm recording.
4: Okay. Our map says that we're 1.7 miles away, three minutes. So I called up Brother Paul on a landline... Well, it's his landline. I was using a cell phone and left a message and he returned my call and he's pretty, a pretty soft-spoken guy on the phone. I think I'm way more excited to see him than he is to meet me, <laughs> but, um, we've only spoken briefly a few times. And so he, oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, that's it. Okay. We just passed the, the Abbey. He's
3: said a red car.
4: Yes, that's him. Okay, he said he was going to be waiting for us in a red car. Oh my gosh, the Abbey is gorgeous. It's white.
3: It's a much different car than I expected him to be.
4: <laughs> it's like this sporty little red car. Oh, let's see. Will you roll down my back window? Hello, brother Paul. Hi, brother so nice Paul.
6: Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to be well. I'm Javi. Javi. yes yes this is Josh hi Josh that's and and Sarah Sarah's I'm back. Sarah hello you're taking the back seat yeah we're one.
4: we're already recording you so oh well <laughs>
6: <laughs> I'm not worth that much
4: <laughs> we're just diving in
6: what we're gonna do is we're since it's rainy we'll drive up to Merton's Hermitage oh
4: well
6: and uh, sit uh, and and uh, out of the rain okay, okay so just uh, you'll have to follow us Absolutely. okay sounds good
3: thank you thank you.
4: Oh my gosh. Brother Paul just told us that we are going to, he said it so casually, Merton's Hermitage.
3: Thomas Merton is just an intellectual heavyweight, an incredibly inspiring and thoughtful writer um, who lived as a monk here in Kentucky where we're at. I know many people who consider their conversions to faith they're deepening in their faith um, a result of merton's work he incorporated a great deal of eastern and um, non-catholic writings and thinkers into what he created and through the years it's just been he's just been a huge influence on people
4: so now we're not even on really a road anymore there's like some basically it's just a little path through the grass and Brother Paul is, ooh, yeah, we're sliding around a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so as we approach, it's kind of this little white box of a house. Um, I can see a stone chimney coming up the back and a bunch of firewood on the front porch with a little table and two chairs right outside. Uh, the grass in front is all kind of overgrown and, and lush and a lot of firewood. Wow.
3: Should I try to park there or? Just
4: where I am? Perfect. Okay, here we go. Okay.
6: So, what's your name? Sarah. Oh, you're the Sarah.
3: I'm the Sarah. So this is it.
6: Yeah, I this figured a it'd idea. be an adventure for you to come up here.
4: ready. Right. I taught religion at a all-girls school when I was out in Arizona, and I would always tell my students, like, God is not an old man with a long white beard in the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, oh gosh, I've got your words in my mind because I'm just reading your book, and I'm thinking, like, when you describe God as, you know, totality or God as infinite, and um, I do think that that's what what people want?
6: Well, it's, it's you know the the old Platonic idea that we're, that we're born with a memory of eternity. It's something embedded in us from the, from the, even maybe before we were born. Right. There's something that is instilled in us. And um, Emily Dickinson says that uh, a loss of something ever felt I from first I could recollect I was bereft of what I did not know. Too young for any to suspect that a mourner walked among the children. And so there's this kind of like a gap, there's something missing. There, there is, she had a negative experience of that original, uh, perception of, you know, the fullness. Uh, whereas Wordsworth talks about, uh, you know, uh, our life, our birth, is a sleep and a dreaming. Uh, and yet we come into the world trailing clouds of glory, and the paradise surrounds us in our infancy. And so some people have that a that, uh, native sense of the divine, and then you lose it. Shades of the prisoner house close upon the boy. Uh, And that's um, the experience of many people. Um, I used to, I had a twin sister. And uh, so every now and then, you know, we were still very young. And I would say, can you remember God? Yeah, I I can remember God. And uh, then after a while, we, you know, that, that that, that disappeared, you know couldn't remember God anymore the way I did when I was a child
3: was that memory Do you have any recollection
6: well it's just something you know we, we, we knew what we were talking about
4: <laughs> something I was telling Javi and Josh on the way down was after graduate school I moved out to Phoenix, Arizona mm-hmm. but I had I lived a very quiet life for a while over the course of the pandemic lots of people have probably had to grapple mm-hmm. with that and now that we're kind of emerging out of that, there might be a temptation to just start distracting ourselves yeah. from being
6: alone. Well, they'll find out. I mean, um, they they may realize that they they just can't do that again. They know themselves better now.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: Other people will—they've been chomping on the bits to get back into that, you know, rat race, whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, and that's uh, that's sad. You know, they didn't learn anything.
4: I'm. Pretty extroverted person. I like talking to people. And it was pretty deeply unsettling to be quiet with myself to start. But that was actually when I started kind of returning to a little bit of a contemplative practice. I don't know, when you, so when you came to the monastery, is that when you started a meditative practice?
6: Oh, no, I was doing that before. Really? Uh, actually, that's what drew me to the monastery is that uh, I, I started uh, reading the, the imitation of Christ before I went to bed. And going through a chapter and just, you know, kind of making it, it really turned into a prayer. Mm. And um, I realized, gee, I want this all the time. Then I would go to mass every morning, the only, probably the only person in my class that would go to mass every morning. Um, and I realized that, you know, this is, this is better, better makes, it's a better life than I had already. And it could, and life could be all of that because, y- you know, especially at that high school age, you know, you know nobody loves me. <laughs> <And> <laughs> That's how high schoolers feel, or or, <laughs> <yes. laughs> or, or you're looking around for love, you know, and you think sure. you've found a here or there. And um, you don't have to look around, it's there. You know, love is something imminent, it's immediate. Mm. Uh, you know, Christ is always there with this love. And, and once you discover that, you know, uh, then you can live in, inwardly. Uh, you know, real friendships start as a gift. Uh, you can't go making a friend. The friendships are just, they seem to make themselves. Sure. You know, and circumstances, you know, can lead. to. And sometimes friendships just kind of, uh, you know, somebody has to move to another part of the country or uh, you know these things come and go. It was hard for me to see him go sometimes usually is, still is None of that is something you can control and if you try to control other people, you know, even t- t- With the good intent of being friends right. It's it, it's a compromise, you know it adults rate the friendship.
4: Yeah, I have a a friend from college who Uh, graduated and worked a pretty intense job in investment banking in New York City, and after a few years of doing that, of just working 120-hour-plus work weeks, and he kind of felt like he was losing himself.
6: I don't think God expects as much of us as we expect of ourselves. Um, And maybe God doesn't expect much at all. We, We simply have to... To um, find out what, what is the what is the the natural and appropriate thing, you it, it it's you are a gift of nature, a gift of God to the world, and the important thing is to be a gift, not to produce, mm-hmm. but to be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, being is something more important than doing. Mm-hmm. And most uh, most people don't really learn how to be right. to begin with. And any uh, doing that is of any value has to come from being. Uh, um, so how do you be? Well,
4: where do you start, I guess? Yeah,
6: that's a good question. You have to start small sometimes, you know, maybe just that 10 minutes. Uh, you know, contemplative space. The first thing you do is pray to re- make a request to God that you be uh, more free than what you are.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: God's not ashamed of that kind of request. You know? We're we're called to be free. We're meant to, go. you know, Christ, you know, gave us freedom and Christ wants us to be free. Uh, and we don't really know what freedom is, you know, uh, we have to learn freedom as we go along. Mm-hmm. And so if you make that, you, you know, uh, we, we speak in terms, I'll, I wouldn't be free to do what I want is what most people mean by freedom. Mm-hmm. But what you want is just another trap. Uh, meditation really is just kind of a practice of being you know just be in the moment you know see the moment feel the moment (laughs) and um then you you, you, then the roots start to grow and the leaves will start emerging but it's to a great extent uh, an unseen process it's an invisible process
4: because it's happening in inside, yeah. interiorly?
6: Uh, it, I mean, you, you might be able to sense it, but uh, there's, it's like the tree, growth as Emily Dickinson says, you know, growth of man, like the growth of nature, gravitates within, sun and atmosphere endorse it, but it stir alone, each its difficult goal achieved by the solitary prowess of a silent life and then she goes on to you know other things but to me that 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 bespeaks the monastic life
4: yeah you said that she was kind of your soulmate poet yes that you still feel that way
6: I still read her you know three or four poems every day
4: Wow and you have them memorized many memorized
6: many of them memorized
4: yeah brother Paul in your in your book that I've been reading, you talk about how life with God is like a dance, but it's also like wrestling.
6: Yeah, well there again, even wrestling, you know, it's not, it's not a matter of controlling. Hmm. It's a, all a matter of leverage and uh, trickery <laughs> and, you know, t- you know, taking advantage of the other person's uh, moves. So, uh, not that I've ever wrestled, but I like watching, you know, the <laughs> collegiate wrestling, the Olympic and stuff. But, um, and I can see, you know, manifestations of strength, but that only happens at certain moments. Most of the time it's just movement and knowing how to get around another person and mm-hmm. so, but more like a dance, oh, so really. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
4: So I was telling Josh that I once heard someone say that you don't want someone to spend time on you. You want them to waste time with you. Good. Yeah. Do you like that?
6: Yeah. I mean, I come up here to the hermitage uh, once a year for a whole week, and I'll, you know, I'll pack up all my food, and then I, I have a whole stack of books that, that I'm going to get read when I'm up here. Well, I almost never read more than a <laughs> fraction of those books.
4: What do you find yourself doing? Well,
6: uh, vacating. Mm, good. <laughs> yeah.
4: Do we? Are we hoping to show, Brother Paul, our yeah, and I feel our air guitar friends?
3: Embarrassed doing it here in such a a an sacred. Presence.
4: So we have a intuition that your story and your life is linked to a very disparate story. And we're gonna show show it to you and just see what you think about these people. So,
6: so here's my uh, counterpart.
3: Please. <laughs> and, and please know this
6: is. Hey, that's a pretty very cool. That's <laughs> pretty cool.
2: Air guitar is exactly what you think it is. Pretending to play an instrument that is not there. <laughs>
6: That's hilarious.
4: So, what do you think?
6: Oh yeah. Well, I can see the connection. You can? (laughs) Yeah.
4: You can because I'm going to be honest. When Javi pitched your, you and them to us, our producer Josh Long did not get it. Because I do not see it. I don't see what we're, what are we doing?
0: That's me, by the way.
6: Yeah, he's right here. So, do you get it yet?
4: I think so. What do you see as? the connect, the common link it here of, It
6: makes me think of those spontaneous concerts that you know that in a marketplace and then all of a sudden these people start appearing and they do a magnificent piece of music uh it's very entertaining i'm sure that people on the subway if i i go home to talk about it Definitely. <laughs> and it's also a parody parody of you know the nonsense of rock music
4: do you see something in their just sheer delight and joy coming from playing air guitar and your idea of dancing yeah dancing for the sake of dancing or playing for the sake of playing do you think there's
6: yeah definitely you know i don't i don't have anybody around me when i'm dancing i just do it for the sake of dancing do
4: you dance often
6: no no i kind of maybe I should but I used to do it often I mean you know maybe a half an hour of three or four times a week. Really? Uh, yeah and uh it's one of great places out here in this in the uh grass.
4: Just here in this field you'd be dancing around? Oh
6: yeah and when I go on retreat and I come up and I wow. do some dancing. Well maybe we should do that now. <laughs> so what music? Yeah.
4: Yeah what do you dance to? What music?
6: Well sometimes it's just something in my head. Mm. I don't uh uh, and th- sometimes I have music, but it doesn't really. It doesn't matter. It's not everybody could dance with what's in their head. I um. I just get you know. There's a kind of. Here again, it's like prayer. As there's a kind of an inner instinct? There's a kind of uh, sense of what's coming from an unseen source, and you just act it out. Mm. When it comes to all that. You just
4: follow that intuition.
6: I'm not really dressed for it, but. uh,
4: I think Brother Paul's gonna dance right now
0: (laughs) for us. When Brother Paul surprisingly took his shoes off and started walking out into the field, we all kind of froze. And it's no ordinary dance, it's weird silent, interpretive, somewhere between what you might expect a hippie at Woodstock to be doing and the warm-up the lead character might be doing in a 60s kung fu movie. Javi pulled out his phone and started taking pictures to send to our co-workers. He was hiding behind his phone. I I was filming the thing and I hid behind my camera and Sarah sat like a statue, frozen in the interview chair. It wasn't till senior producer Javi meekly suggested to Sarah that she join him that any of us really moved or became unfrozen.
1: Sarah, you wanna
4: go? Sure, let me take my shoes off first. I gotta be like brother Paul. Oh my gosh. Well didn't think this would happen when we started a podcast. <laughs> You just move. What are you playing in your head right now?
6: I'm not playing I'm just feeling. Mm. What are you playing in your head? Um, Anything?
4: The sounds of my friends laughing at me when they see this. <laughs> uh-uh.
6: way to get to breathing
4: yeah need to come out here and breathe
6: so i'm not imitating anything i'm not going to your own i'm just just feeling nature letting nature move in me with a kind of a rhythm
4: you have way more rhythm than me okay (laughs) (laughs) wow bravo Oh my I was goodness. So I show
1: you that video. I thought you were going to throw us off the property.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, you came to the right person.
1: <laughs>
6: I think I do better than they do. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, the airness <laughs> Spiritual airness. Yeah, well, That's part of it, moving around and breathing. Getting, getting the air. And taking the air. It's a very slight breeze today.
3: saint currently correct me if i'm wrong i'm going to be going to be a saint so like that is a high (laughs) and also i'm just going to take a victory lap here to just say see see i told you guys there's totally a connection between those air guitarists (laughs) and that monk who just took up his shoes to dance to interpret if you okay he wasn't just disco boogie This episode was hosted by Javi Zubi Zaretta and Sarah Toms. It was produced and edited by Josh Long. Crado Network is senior producer Javi Zubi Zaretta, senior editor Josh Nome, Liz Colloran is our assignment desk and event program manager, Michaela Douglas, web content strategist, Becky Ottman, graphic designer, Adrian Giralde is our social media manager, Josh Long, producer. Ben Cruz, associate producer, Tara Kelly, and Erin Williams are our treasured video interns.
1: <laughs> what, 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 were the, what was the reaction or, or I'm interested
0: in what he had to say? <laughs> he loved it. He was laughing. Honestly, I think your video inspired him in this weird way. He ended up taking off his shoes, walking into the wet grass, and doing interpretive dance. Like, spurned on by nothing.
1: That's amazing.